0: Love Talk Radio.
2: 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy, Objectivism, is the only philosophy that protects, defends, upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peakoff, and joining me soon will be cartoonist, Bosch Faustin. He must be dealing with some trick-or-treaters or something, I don't know. But if you want to join in on the discussion this evening, and again, this is a discussion that might just scare you enough to make you go to the polls and vote next Tuesday, maybe you'll vote after listening to this show. Not because you like the Republicans. The Republicans don't have a positive agenda to offer, except for maybe one or two of them out there. In particular, I always think of Ted Cruz. If you listen to the show, you know that I'm a fan. But most of them, they just don't have that much to offer. It's really getting rid of a negative or minimizing the damage from a negative in the last couple of years of Obama that we are aiming at. And so I'm going to tell you a lot of things that are at stake on Tuesday tonight. You can call in if you want. The number is 760 888 5817. Again, that's 760 888 5817. And we also have a number of people participating over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. We thank you for tuning in live on Halloween. And we even have a new listener this evening over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. And he thinks that we should not give him the warm welcome that we have, but we are. I don't know. We're objectivists. You know, Roman, his name is is Roman V. over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. He must be listening to Bill Whittle. Because Bill Whittle thinks that objectivists, in order to be properly selfish, just have to be mean and callous to everyone. And uh, yeah, John's over here. Oh, we've got uh, Pop Art. Where's Pop Art? Who is Pop Art in the chat room? Am I missing something? Oh, is Pop Art over on the side and not commenting yet? I know Pop Art. Who's kidding? Oh, he was kidding. (laughs) He's never listened to Bill, says Roman. And yeah, everyone is being very friendly to each other this evening this is This is very good. Maybe it's because you know that you're going to have to huddle together and deal with the fright that I'm going to put upon you. Oh, I see a tammy listener i know I know pop art from Tammy's chat room, but you don't go by pop art in this chat room arthur so welcome we're We're glad to have you over here and hang out as well. Um, Also, a Steven Crowder listener, he says, yeah, Steven Crowder, I didn't even know that he's doing regular podcasts. Rob says, where's Bosch? Bosch is going to be here in a minute. He just actually came in and gave me the one-minute sign a minute ago, so he will be here shortly. One thing that I will do while he is gone is tell you about the very first link over in the program notes at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. Again, if you want to look at the extensive list of stories that we have planned to talk about today, go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. You'll see at the top post the program notes for today's show. Again, it's our Halloween show. We're trying to scare you enough that you will vote on Tuesday because, really, again, with a lackluster GOP, this is the only thing that's going to be motivating you. But the first link over there is for something called Monsters in My Yard and Halloween is a very appropriate day to first talk about this. This is a children's book that Bosch illustrated. So he is not the the writer. The writer is Carrie Robinson. But Carrie approached Bosch to do the illustrations for the book, and Bosch apparently had a great time doing it. So there's a link if you're interested in children's books, if you want to go check out the art and see if it's something that you think you might like. Uh, It's getting close to Christmas, makes good Christmas presents. That's my little plug of of Monsters in My Yard. It's really a cute little book. I like the designs, the monster designs that Bosch came up with. So if we can go ahead and dive in. Oh, yeah, Matt is saying, Bosch is coming soon, Bosch is coming soon. And he will. He will. He's going to be here uh, very soon. The first story that I want to talk about tonight has to do with voting itself. And it is Facebook. Facebook apparently is using its power to curate its news feeds and control things that you see by way of ads and other additional doohickeys. I'll call them doohickeys this evening. Uh, And they're using that in order to encourage you to vote. Now, this is the thing that's interesting. I, I got this story from Dredge, and you think, boy, Dredge would never link to a Mother Jones story, and yet, yes, they were. And this is something where... A lot of us who are concerned with our privacy and how either companies or government might be affecting our private consumption of social media, et cetera, uh, that we have a lot in common with liberals at a time. So here's a Mother Jones article. It says, Facebook wants you to vote on Tuesday. Here's how it messed with your feed in 2012. The social network. Mother Jones says, tries to promote voting, but it has also conducted tests that affect users' voting behavior without telling them. And if you remember listening to this show a few months ago, we talked about an experiment that was done on Facebook whereby Facebook was trying to see whether curating your news feed so that Facebook was putting in front of you either more positive stories from your friends cute puppies, births of new babies, what have you, versus negative news stories, somebody lost their job, somebody got cancer, whatever. Um, If they put these things in front of you, was it going to affect your mood and was it going to affect what you in turn posted on Facebook? And then probably they also want to know whether you spend time there, whether you spend time clicking on ads there, all those sorts of things. But they were doing this. They were manipulating news feeds without telling anybody. And then they were writing up a paper, an academic-style paper, with the results of that. And a lot of people got very upset. Now imagine that they are curating your news feed or, as I said, with my very technical language, they are, uh, you know, affecting or or changing which doohickeys you are exposed to. Based on what they want you to do in the voting booth, isn't that kind of scary? I mean, to me, I think that's just as scary as or maybe even more scary. They want to affect your voting behavior than whether they want you to post more happy things or sad things. Now, here's Bosch. He is in the studio. He is untangling the headset. I think you've got everything a little bit too far away. I think that's part of the challenge right now. He's trying to stay far away from me, even though I'm no longer sick, Bosch. You know, I'm not sick anymore. It's been days since I had cold medicine.
1: No, I'm sick. (laughs) sick You're not, though. No, I'm not. No. I never get sick.
2: It's all because last week I did not let you drink out of my water bottle. That's what it is. That's it.
1: Hello, everyone. Glad to be here.
2: Everyone was asking for you. The show started there. Where's Bosch?
1: Where's Bosch? Where's Bosch? I appreciate it, everyone. Thanks.
2: Um, So what Facebook apparently did in 2012, we are going to find out here says, on election day, political campaigns, candidates, consultants, and pollsters pay close attention to who votes and why, and so does Facebook. For the past six years, on every national election day, the social networking behemoth has pushed out a tool, a high-profile button that proclaims, I'm voting or I'm a voter, designed to encourage Facebook users to vote. To now, vote for whom? Yeah, exactly. Now, Facebook says it has finished fine-tuning the tool. And if all goes to according to plan, on Tuesday, many of its more than 150 million American users will feel a gentle but effective nudge to vote, courtesy of Zuckerberg and company. If past research is any guide, up to a few million more people will head to the polls partly because their Facebook friends encourage them. Yet the process by which Facebook has developed the tool... They call it a voter megaphone, has not been very transparent, raising questions about its use and Facebook's ability to influence elections. Moreover, while Facebook has been developing and promoting the tool, it has also been quietly conducting experiments on how the company's actions can affect the voting behavior of its users. In particular, they've studied how changes in the news feed seen by the users, the constant drip, drip, drip of information shared by friends at the heart of the Facebook experience, can affect the level of interest in politics and their likelihood of voting. For one such experiment, conducted in the three months prior to Election Day 2012, Facebook increased the amount of hard news stories at the top of the feeds of 1.9 million users. According to one Facebook data scientist, that change, which users were not alerted to, measurably increased civic engagement and voter turnout. So what do you think about this, Bosh?
1: So they're coming out now, right before the vote?
2: Just before the vote, Mother Jones is letting you know, by the way, Facebook might be manipulating you right around election day, trying to get you out to the polls. Maybe Facebook manipulated me into putting all the news that I have into this show today, or manipulated Bosch into sharing those news stories with me, and all me in right. turn giving it, you know, it's the trickle-down effect yes. of social media. Not sure. But I I mean is Facebook why gonna be happy our, with our voting behavior?
1: Yeah. No, that's that's the whole thing. And, you know, I would assume that they Zuckerberg and the, other, and the others would want us to vote democrat. I'm assuming they would. So why you know, if they want people to quote unquote vote, they don't want them to vote the quote unquote wrong way. You know what I mean?
2: I mean maybe they only I guess
1: they put enough stories out there where they think people will
2: well, to I mean just imagine if they decide okay, well, they were able to increase the likelihood of people voting when they did this before. They did this to 1.9 million users in 2012 and they got more of them to vote.
3: Imagine, well, that imagine the case.
2: Right. So imagine now they decide, well, we'll just do it to the people who seem to follow Democrats or liberals. And we won't do this thing that seems to get people to vote for the Republicans, libertarians, no. objectivists, right? No. What do you, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it, it is Facebook's company, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. So it's, it, we are invited Mother,
1: Mother to Mother Jones is outing them, though. I mean, how did Mother, Mother Jones get this info?
2: Mm, I'm not exactly sure how Mother Jones got this information. I don't know. Maybe
1: they got it from Zuckerberg. So yeah. He released this now, before Election Day. That's wanted to get in people's heads. I've been doing this.
4: Who knows?
2: I mean, here's the question. Are you going to worry about it? Are you going – I mean, obviously, I think Facebook would have the right – to do it,
1: sure, they could do it.
2: They invite everyone to their home, right? If I invite you to my home, and I decide for whatever reason that I mean, I've, I've invited a bunch you of you guys to my home right now. And in, in effect, my, my little home on Blog Talk Radio, I've invited everyone here. Yeah, no, I am actually trying to get them to vote. You put on next a certain Tuesday.
1: type of music in your home that you want to them to listen to. You want to put certain type of shows in the background. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. certain type of books on the table. It's influence people. No, but that—that's what they're thinking is. Um, I just think um, I don't know. The Republicans flat out suck. But I think it'll be, as I wrote, I said, it's the anti, it's anti-Obama day Tuesday. That's really what it is. It's anti-Obama day, and the Democrats are going to pay for being the Obama party. They will pay a dear price. And it's just that, imagine if Republicans were decent, how much more votes they would have got. Oh yeah. How much more wins they would have had.
2: Oh, I know, but I know. They're,
1: but, they're indecent, so. but
2: there is one thing that's going to bring, I think, Republicans out that's happened this week.
1: Yes. And it's... I think it's Mark Levin it, pulling
2: it, it up. It's pathetic that it's so powerful. Yeah. But nonetheless, it is a very powerful thing we will we will talk yeah. about. It. Let me go over here to the chat room where we've got Arthur. He says, being an, a Facebook expert, he says there are ways to get around that, including deciding who your close friends are.
4: Right.
2: He says, but at this point, I think any of the social media is capable of doing this. Um. Now Arthur says, "Am I am I going to go rogue like the nutty nurse in hmm. Maine?"
1: Because you're because you were sick. I don't
2: know.
1: No, <laughs>
2: no. I you know I was sick for two weeks, yeah. but I've been free of all cold medicine for days now. So everything that you hear now that's wrong with my brain, <laughs> I'm going to have to attribute to the after effects, the long-standing right. after effects of cold medicine that I have t- not taken for days. Ah. <sighs> Bosch's posts tend to be the most prominent on Arthur's feed. He says hmm. so. Whatever the aim is, he says, uh, yeah. So Roman also gets posts from both of us. That's nice. Yeah. We we have nothing to do with that. Mark Zuckerberg is not a friend of mine, particular. I mean, I like I like what he does. I like that he's provided I Facebook like that he for I mean, us. It's
1: fantastic.
2: I don't like the idea that he might be at the mercy of government. Due to the fact that the Federal Trade Commission has that consent decree. 20
1: years, yeah, right. Meaning forever.
2: Right. So, uh, now what is this voting is sacred? So long as you vote for our rubber stamp automatons, Debbie Schultz, yeah, you're supposed to vote for the Dems, then voting is sacred.
1: Well, she didn't actually say that. I mean, she couldn't have said that literally. I mean, I I guess that's a subtext because (laughs) that is what they mean.
2: Now, Freedom Breeze in the chat room says that we have all signed and accepted the terms of Facebook's invasion of our privacy. And an interesting thing is I actually did, I think, I think I put an article, a link to an article about Facebook curating the feed to manipulate our emotions. I I put a link to that as a comment to this story about Facebook, you know, interfering with elections. And... The particular angle of the story was that the, um, the, the the academic research provision, which is what would give Facebook
4: hmm. our
2: explicit permission to do this research on us, right? Okay. That provision was not added to the terms of service until four months after they had done the study hmm. that was previously reported, the one about our emotions. To CYA and to cover it. I think they realized that they probably should have put that in there now this again may have been one of the reasons that the Federal Trade Commission Was able to go after them because they say well look you know you are Interfering and you're not being upfront and explicit about it
4: people people
2: you know we we have an idea That our newsfeed is curated simply based on what Facebook has determined via its algorithm What we mostly want to see in our newsfeed not? that Facebook is curating our news feed according to some private agenda or research experiment of their own, right? We think it's just something where they want to make Facebook attractive to us so Mm -hmm. that we click on ads and they make money. That's what most people would understand when they go to Facebook.
1: But then they figure, well, we want to have a little more power now. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing probably with Zuckerberg. He said, as far as I'm a hardcore leftist, he's an Obama hack. So he probably wants to do his part. To make sure that his party does well. And by the way, did you hear about this? Uh, Democrats bullying their voters.
2: Oh yeah, you said that there was a memo sent last yeah. minute or something who to them.
1: Who you that? vote for is your secret, but whether or not you vote is public record. that The letter says to, to, dem- to Democrats, we will be reviewing voting records to determine whether you voted. To determine whether you joined your neighbors who voted in 2014. You hear this? If you did not vote this year, we will we will be very, we will be interested to hear why not. Do you hear this?
2: So they're saying basically they're going to badger you?
1: No, this is them. If you don't vote? This is them being terrified about Tuesday. And that's good. Mm-hmm. This is the wrong way to react to that. <laughs> this is a terrible way. Because imagine the the Democrat who's in somewhat on the fence. Right. He's not going to vote Democrat come Tuesday. He's too pissed off. He says, you're threatening me? Right. You guys suck and you're threatening me.
2: Well, any rational Democrat yes, would. Yes, yes.
1: Any rational. How many are left? I don't know. What I'm saying is those who are on the fence, those who are like, you know, Republicans suck, right. Democrats are more in line with me, but they're threatening me.
2: John says Tuesday may very well be anti-Obama Day at the polls, but after that, his pen and phone won't be still except when he is holding a golf club.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, no,
1: he still has two, powers left, two, two years left of power, but, you know, you can diminish him to some extent. To the extent that you can, you can diminish his power. This one needs
2: to be sung, this comment. They know when you've been voting. They know when you stayed home. Hmm. They know when you are PC or not, so be PC <laughs> for Obama's sake.
1: No, but I... this, this is a good sign. I mean, however ugly this is, this is a good sign that Democrats have to go and threaten their voters. Say, right. you better go out there. And if you don't, we know you didn't go out there. And we want to know why. That's good. They're scared. You know what? That's awesome. We have other voting-related... Yeah, here, sorry, here's Democrat. I'm outraged. Whether or, whether I vote or not is none of your business, said a Manhattan voter who was so incensed that she complained to a, a local Democratic leader. Nice. Yeah. nice. The letter's ludicrous and menacing, said another voter.
2: The, the other initial swath of scary sorry, sorry, stories... this is
1: from Near Post, by the way. Near New Post, yeah. okay.
2: The other initial swath of scary stories over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com includes a number of voting stories, and one is that non-citizens are voting. Non-citizens are voting,
1: and they're making the difference. Uh, the uh, the study finds that in tight races, they almost always go to Democrats now, because of that. Right. And that's very likely why they want you know the uh, the alien vote.
2: The article here is from NationalReview.com, and James O'Keefe is documenting the problem in North Carolina, where the Senate race is close. A new study by two Old Dominion University professors based on survey data from the Comparative Congressional Election Study indicated that 6.4% of all non-citizens voted illegally. 6.4%
4: of all non-citizens
2: voted illegally in the 2008 presidential election and a 2.2% in the 2010 midterms. Given that 80% of non-citizens lead Democratic... They cite Al Franken's 312-vote win in the 2008 Minnesota U.S. Senate race as one likely tipped by non-citizen voting. As Senator, of course, Franken-cast, the 60th vote needed to make Obamacare law. North Carolina this year features one of the closest Senate races between Democrat incumbent Kay Hagan and Republican Tom Tillis. So what guerrilla filmmaker James O'Keefe, the man who uncovered voter irregularities in states ranging from Colorado to New Hampshire, has learned in North Carolina is disturbing. This month, North Carolina officials found at least 145 illegal aliens still in the country thanks to the Obama administration's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, and they are registered to vote. Hundreds of other non-citizens may also be on the rolls. Voter registration cards routinely are issued without any identification check. Undocumented workers can use it for many purposes, including obtaining a driver's license and qualifying for a job. If a non-citizen has a ro- voter registration card, there are plenty of campaign operatives who will who will encourage him or her to vote illegally.
1: Right. We've known that for a while now, but this is just you know pure proof now from this uh, from that from that new. Uh, What's the name again? What's the name again? The uh, independent journalist? Oh, O'Keefe? Yeah. Yeah. O'Keefe. So, he does good work.
2: That should scare you that you need to go out there and vote to try to counteract some of the non citizens that make it. If you are working the polls and there's anything that you legally can do to prevent non-citizens from voting that and would be, be wonderful you'll
1: be discouraged you'll be considered uh, and looked at as a racist if you try to stop anyone you know who you perceive to be maybe an illegal immigrant uh your your colleagues at work who knows you know but uh, this is what they have to do democrats which is a good sign they have to have those votes
2: what if you're working make, uh, at the polls and you suspect that Somebody has bust in like a lot of illegal voters. Wish they did. And you just said, God, yeah, wow, that INS agent over there. And then the guy, maybe they were like, maybe they relaxed more at that point, right? Because they know that Obama's first. I worked not at a restaurant. Out.
1: I worked at a restaurant, and the guy said, uh, "Let me you know, Lamita, you know, la you know the immigration," uh-huh. and he got these guys running in the back, jumping over a fence, literally. I <laughs> mean, and he said, uh, "I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs>
3: and they were running over. They literally they, uh, ran
1: and jumped over the fence. I think one of
3: I'm
2: guessing that in Obama's second term, that they don't run and jump over no, the fences no. anymore. Anyways, no, things are, are very
1: now, and you know you got a fire-breathing anti-American in chief, and they're like, well, know, he's in a, he, he has our back.
2: Another story to tell you that you need to run to the polls. Calibration error. Have you heard this term this week? Yeah. Cali- Calibration errors
1: What a euphemism
2: A a calibration error Has has changed a GOP vote to Democrat vote in an Illinois County Chicago early voting in Illinois Got off to a rocky start Monday As votes being cast for Republican Candidates were transformed Miraculously of course Into votes for Democrats
1: How did the person uh, detect this Did did they see it on on the screen And then complain about it or after the fact, because who knows? I mean, if there are rats behind there trying to change it, they wouldn't want to give give their hand. I mean, they wanted to to be hidden. People assume that they've they've, vote Republican, that they've voted Republican, that they voted Republican.
2: That's it. I'm not sure. It says Republican state representative candidate Jim Moynihan went to vote Monday. At the Schamburg, I can't sham. pronounce, Schomburg,
1: Scha- Schomburg, yeah, I got it. Yeah, but it's Schamburg Fourth now. try, I got it. Now we know it's sham. No, now we know it's Schomburg. It's pronounced sham. Mm, okay. You got it? Schomburg, public Schamburg. library. anyway. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Sorry, everyone. Oh, like, ten times?
2: I know, but I was obsessed with the fact that I couldn't pronounce yeah, it properly.
1: Sham is so <laughs> European, I don't know. Schomburg. Schomburg.
2: Here's a quote from Moynihan. I tried to cast a vote for myself, and instead it cast the vote for my opponent,
4: Mm.
2: (laughs) Moynihan said. You can imagine my surprise. This is the same thing happened with a number of races when I tried to vote for a Republican, and the machine registered a vote for a Democrat.
1: I these guys.
2: The conservative website Illinois Review reported that, quote, while using a touchscreen voting machine in Schaumburg, Moynihan voted for several races on the ballot, only to find that whenever he voted for a Republican candidate, the machine registered the vote for a Democrat in the same race. He notified the election judge at his polling place and demonstrated that it continued to cast a vote for the opposing candidate's party. Hmm. Moynihan was eventually allowed to vote for Republican candidates, including his own race. Um, He offered this gracious lesson to his followers on Twitter. Quote, be careful when you vote in Illinois. Make sure you take the time to check your votes before submitting, and I would say that to everybody all over the country yep. make sure to check your votes that if you're especially if you're using a machine yep. that the vote that you intend to cast is actually cast this it's this amazing. is this is nuts now there may be machines where hmm it'll be miraculously changed later or something bizarre, but let's hope that that. Is not if the
1: you you know if you're a party then you have to cheat, you know you're in trouble, I mean big time yeah, and to think that there are still Republicans who can win from all this from the media being well, completely the in thing. the in the tank
4: if
2: you are on the fence about whether to go, one reason you would need to go is to you know try to counteract all of the yeah. so called calibration know, or if, if you
1: think about, it, we have, we live in an age where uh, the mainstream media has been diminished to an extent. You have Fox News, you have you know talk radio, you have Party. you have a lot of websites now, a lot of uh, sources on the right. When in Reagan's day, not nothing, mm. it was all mainstream crap, and he went and had two back-to-back landslides, where the media despised him, where the culture, where, where everyone thought there was a the quiet American people who, who voted him in, right, massively, right, and that's why you you know that's why you know, you need that type of guy who can transcend it all, who can transcend the media, talk over them directly to the American people. And the only one right now as as you know, we as we've said
2: And it's so funny because we believe it, it is Cruz who can do this. Yeah. But there are a number of well educated, otherwise I really agree with these people on a lot of issues, people and oh no no, not not Ted Cruz can't well, they said do Well basically the same
1: thing about Reagan. He I can't know. win, he can't win, he I can't know. win, he can't win. And close to supposed race against Carter, Carter was up in the polls, and he blew him away. So what does that say also?
2: That's true. Let me talk about one more voting story, and then I want to take a call that we have waiting over here. Obama says one story, may have been elected with illegal votes. This is Judicial Watch, but they are citing an academic study. So, you know, again, I don't know. Judicial Watch, I guess, is a more and That's more good. reliable source Absolutely. all the time. But I remember at one point early on where
1: mm. people
2: were this is many years ago
1: where people were questioning no people, happens. Maybe some leftists. Maybe if they're, mm-hmm. if they're on the right, who knows? A large, or, they're, or they're trying to be down, down to center.
2: large number of non-citizens cast ballots in U.S. elections. It's possible that the illegal votes were responsible for Obama's 2008 victory, according to an in-depth academic study that confirms Judicial Watch's assessment that foreign nationals have helped Democrats steal elections. Non-citizens tend to favor Democrats, and Obama won more than 80% of the vote of non-citizens in the 2008 sample. I mean, think
1: about this. They know that 80% of the illegal immigrant vote? They know that. 80%? You know, what, what does it say about their knowledge? And, and
2: not just illegal immigrants, all non-citizens. Yes, non-citizens. So, they, right, so, right, right. so these non-citizens might be here legally, but then voting illegally because they're not supposed to be right. able to vote, right? So. Any non-citizen, 80% of them voted for Obama. Yes. And remember, again, 6.4%
1: of the non-citizens yes.
2: all voted. This is a bunch of people a, a voting. It
1: could people. have made a difference. It could have made a difference. And also, you know, 80% when they say that, you know, so, so some people poo-poo it, say, well, no, we don't know how they vote. Yes, yes, we do. A lot of them, uh, especially if they come here from foreign countries, not, they're not American. They're, a lot of them are anti-American, like our commander in mm-hmm. chief. And they would vote for the anti-American party, naturally. They would do a vote for the party that is not yeah, American.
2: exactly, exactly. Naturally. So the, the first thing I think that should scare you to vote is that we have voter fraud, we have corruption, we have illegals voting, we have machines also, with, quote, calibration the, errors.
1: Why are they so against the voter ID? Mark Levin talks about it again and again. You, you try to go to the Justice Department, and you try to walk in there without an with, ID, what are they going to do? holders building mr anti anti you know voter i d right, guy right they would never ever ever let you in any government building we go to places we go to concerts we go to move, whatever we go to a certain place that that they require that it is what it is the reason why they don't want this is because they cannot be as successful with their voter fraud they just can't and that's why they want it and that's they but of, of course what's what's voter i d now what do they say when it's brought up now,
3: it's racist. Yes, oh, a photo sure, ID is sure. racist. Yeah.
1: So if you go up to uh, Holder's building and try to get in without they call them racist if they if they require your photo ID, I mean that's it. They're they're racist.
2: So we know that Facebook has manipulated people to vote in the past. We know that Zuckerberg of Facebook is more liberal than conservative, oh, yeah. and hmm, he may just pull out his ability to encourage people to vote and slant it towards the news feeds yes. of people who are liberal. Yes. So Facebook is against you. The calibration errors of the machines are against you if you if you would like to vote the Democrats out.
4: Yeah.
2: The non-citizens voting when they shouldn't be voting illegally, that's against you. You've got a lot of reasons in terms of voting, you know, in and of itself that you should do this. We did have a call who wanted to talk, and I'm sorry it took me so long to get to it, but now that person is hung up. If you do want to call in again, we will go ahead and take you right away. Uh, I do want to go on to the next swath of stories. What are you looking at, Bosh? you got
1: just no, the sounds. Oh, no, the I'll, soundbite? I'll, just, I'll just say it.
2: Um, No, we can do the okay. soundbite. In the, this is the um, – which one is we'll this? Do. But on, on what topic again?
1: On the Hillary, which says uh, – no, businesses. Yeah, and, yeah, go um, ahead. Corporations. I have to find it, though. Oh, you got to
2: find it? Okay. Oh, I think
1: I did, actually.
2: Do you have it? you have it queued up?
1: Interesting. One second.
2: He's got a Mark Levin soundbite that he wants to play. Do you want to plug this into your phone? Yeah. In order to do it?
1: Yeah. Give me one second
2: one. One thing that I wanted to say, thank you. I know some people did appreciate the fact that last week I focused on free speech and we are going to talk about a number of horror stories with respect to free speech and how much in how much danger free speech and the press are in under Obama. Yes. We're gonna to get to that as well. Uh, how how much how much a democratic Senate and House can do to prevent Obama from behind-the-scenes intimidating journalists yeah. is another question. Yeah. Uh, you
1: know, right. I mean, it, it, see, again, and that's always the case. He's so bad. He is so bad. It spills over how bad. And imagine what we don't see and what we don't hear. That's the whole point. He's a criminal who we know what, he's, what his crimes are publicly. We know that. Imagine behind-the-scenes what he's been up to. And trying to do for this voter fraud. He has the power of the presidency, the most powerful man on earth. Imagine what he's been able to do that maybe might be the, irreparable.
2: Maybe the Federal Elections Commission, the same Federal Elections Commission that wants to regulate political speech, is also in charge of inspecting the machine yes. with the calibration yes. errors?
1: And they will go mm. under any kind of pretense mm. and say, well, we're looking at... And people will take it for, well, it's the president, it's the federal government, what are you going to do? No, no, it's not what we are going to do. You want to put it on? Go ahead and put it on. Okay, this is uh, Mark Levin responding to the Hillary Clinton uh, terrible, terrible thing that any any of our our opponents should use against her. Let's see if it's on.
2: Is it going to have a clip as well? Oh, guess what? We need this. Go ahead.
1: uh, Her husband. Okay, should... I'm tired of them being held up. Knock them down a few notches. Okay, sorry, right, bo- this Mark Levin talking about the Clintons, and uh, Hillary Clinton makes a terrible comment. And then Levin... Um, How
2: businesses don't create yeah, jobs.
1: And then Levin's right. response, and I'll talk about it after, what I what I think of it. Long. And I'm a fan of Mark Levin, but when he does something like this, I have to call him out.
5: Listener, she sounds like such a damn fool. Don't let anybody tell you that corporations or businesses create jobs.
3: Oh, Okay.
2: Right. Government creates jobs, you know, through stimuli, redistribution of wealth, high taxes, open borders. That's how we create jobs. Have you ever heard anything so stupid in your life? And trickle-down economics. That's what they said about Reagan. Trickle She's pulling out an attack on Reagan who created more jobs than any president <laughs> in American history or any history.
1: Okay, so I'm sorry. It's just you know what? I understand he worked for Reagan. And, uh, I like Reagan, but he just said he just flipped his it he said <laughs> this politician created said, more she's, jobs she's, than anyone.
3: She's she's an idiot
2: for saying that government creates jobs, and but Reagan, Reagan created, created more, jobs. more jobs
1: than anyone in history. You know, as a politician. Reagan slightly got and, and out you, of the way and,
2: exactly. of, the got out of the free exactly. market,
1: and that's why we exploded. Imagine if they really got out of the way. I mean, imagine that. The productivity, the wealth creation, the inventions, the I mean, innovations.
2: When, um, when Ted Cruz speaks about just in the energy sector getting the government out of the way, and that we should have an American energy renaissance. I yeah. believe that's the term yes. they he
4: uses. Yes. I mean,
2: that this is what you would
4: have Absolutely. in
2: every sector if government just got out of the
1: and way. And their whole, their whole idea is just to make sure that we don't know what it, it's like for government to be out of the way, because then we wouldn't want government in the way. They, they objectively, they do not want us to understand it, to see it for ourselves. To feel it. To feel it. And that's why even Republicans do not want another Reagan, because that was a glimpse at it a slight glimpse at it, and they're like, we can't have that. We can't. He discredited the government in a lot of ways. You know, his, he had two landslides. American people really, really wanted him. Unlike us, nobody gets landslides. No Democrat. And think about it again. Democrats have everyone in their pocket. They have the media. They have Facebook. They have social media. They have everything, and they still can even eke out elections.
3: Yeah, and, you know. and when, they,
2: when, they, when they sense that on one particular social media platform namely twitter that yes. republicans are getting or non liberals excuse yes, me non liberals no, yes. are getting the truth
1: out then they're like we have then to correct that. then they say down. oh
2: we got to crack down yes. on that too and mm-hmm.
1: this is just this is you know mm. uh, so i i thought that was funny
2: so let's let's talk a little bit about the issue of free speech and free press and the first story to look at is Cheryl Atkinson. Now, I guess they're talking about Cheryl Atkinson a lot in yeah. the media right now because her book is being released. Yes. Is it Has it Tuesday, been released? Tuesday. It's going to be released Tuesday? I'll put it on
1: my on my iPad for the, I guess, what do you call it? The Pre-order? Yeah. Pre-order?
2: Pre-order? So it's going to download automatically, magically? No, it's just the
1: preview. It's just preview. Oh, preview. And next week. Okay. But it looks like an interesting book, and um, she's been, um, you know, smeared. And now there's someone... A critic who's saying, what could have happened? Maybe couldn't have happened, you know. Probably a leftist, you know, just a discreditor.
2: Well, the article that I have here is written by Eric Wimple at the Washington Post. Wimple? Wimple.
1: Okay. Well, Washington Post is left leftist rag, so who knows?
2: Cheryl Atkinson's computer intrusions, quote, worse than anything Nixon ever that, did.
1: That's what I think a liberal said that on, on, on Fox. What's his name? He works for Fox now. He's worked for CNN for years. He said that. Wow. He met her at a cafe. That's the quote. I'm. I'm reading. I think. It, I think it's him. What's his name? I forgot his name. Maybe they'll. They'll mention it there. That. That's a different article, I believe.
2: Now it says, um, and I'm skipping into the middle of this article. Uh, now it says. Now we know why Atkinson has been so stingy for so long with details of her computer intrusions. She wanted to have material for her book. The story debuted in May 2013 when she appeared on a Philadelphia radio show and declared that there may be, quote, some relationship between her computer troubles and the sort of tracking that descended upon Fox. Fox News reporter James Rosen, right, in the much-discussed leak case. On a subsequent appearance on O'Reilly Factor, Atkinson said that she thought she knew who was responsible for the ruckus. And so now they've got the book. The book is a reminder of all the ways people can mess with you. It's not just her computers that showed signs of tampering. She said, by November 2012, quote, there are so many disruptions on my home phone line, I often can't use it. I call home from my mobile phone, and it rings on my end, but not at the house, end quote. More devices on the fritz, the television misbehaving, spontaneously jitters, mutes, and freeze frames. Computers, TV, and phone all used Verizon's Fios service. At one point, Jeff, some guy who was a friend of hers, I guess, warning her, inspects the back of her house and finds a, quote, stray cable attached to her Fios box. That cable, he explains, could be used to download data.
1: She was the only one willing to tell the truth about this at CBS, and they wouldn't have it, and they called her unreasonable in in her pursuit a okay. Benghazi, Fast and Furious. Other words, she was doing her job, and uh, she's a reporter. I don't know where she stands. She says something, I mean, Sometimes you know she was asked Sometimes she was Republican. Sometimes she was Democrat. She fancies herself, uh, you know, a, a nonpartisan, and looking at her and listening to her. I think she might be. I mean, she might be one, one of those people who wants to follow the truth wherever it leads.
2: Now, she also speaks about someone who she identifies as number one, you know, because she's not revealing identities. This is a confidential source inside the government, and this person found that the breaches on Atkinson's computer were coming from a, quote, sophisticated entity that used commercial commercial non-attributable spyware that's proprietary to a government agency, either CIA, FBI, Defense Intelligence Agency, or the NSA. Atkinson learned from, number one, this informant, uh, that one intrusion was launched from the Wi-Fi at a Ritz-Carlton hotel, and the, quote, intruders discovered her Skype account handle, stole the password, activated the audio, and made heavy use of it presumably as a listening tool. This is a reporter. They didn't like her stories in Benghazi because she was the most the honest. The only
1: one. Yeah. On the, on the on the major three channels, she right. was the only one, you know, pursuing it again and again and again. She had an interview with someone that they refused to air, and I think it was uh, Nicole Nicole also. And uh, she was targeted, and you think about this, and the reaction by the media about her—they're driving right over her. They don't care because they're like, well, she's one of them, maybe.
2: Well, but you what know? about Washington Post at least featuring? Yes, well, they yeah. have to
1: they have yeah. to they have, they have no they have no choice. Russia's talking about it. Levin's talking about it. her books coming out, they're like we have to say something about this. you know, but let's in our own little way, let's not let's not be obvious, but let's try to discredit her a little. And that's what they do in our own little way. It'll be imperceptible to some extent, but let's try uh because they can't have her be a legitimate uh about this. They can't because then they're like, oh man, it's too obvious that we are supporting the wrong guy. This guy's a bad guy. And uh, it's just, it's incredible uh, what they've been able to do with our media. I mean, they did had a government take, they had a media takeover, right? The left, it's like the Soviets came into America and took over the media. It's as if that happened.
2: Wow. Wow. Well, this, I haven't seen anything in this Washington Post story that is discrediting her okay, in any good. way.
1: What I'm saying is they might try to they might try to suggest something. Well, some critics say this, you know, meaning they're saying it. Have they said that at all? Uh, they're
4: saying
2: Yeah. Because
1: uh, you know, you look at her, you look at those you look at her colleagues the way they're willing to bend over for Obama, you look at Obama. Who is the credible one here? Right. I mean, that's it. It was a person. All we know about her is that she's a reporter who's trying to follow the truth. Right there alone. And Obama didn't like it. And others didn't like it. And right now she's their least favorite reporter. Why? Because she's doing her goddamn job. This is what a reporter's supposed to be. This is what she's supposed to do. And they can't have that. Because if she does her job, Obama goes down. And he can't go down.
2: The book comes out on Tuesday? Tuesday. Okay, we'll have to
1: check it out, definitely. definitely.
2: Another story regarding free speech in the media. USA Today bureau chief says that Obama is the most dangerous president ever for media freedom. And listen,
1: she says this literally at a a circle table of libs. She says this, and it's not going to be broadcast smashed on every title of New York Times next day in quotes. This is, to me, damning beyond belief for someone of of that caliber to say it. She
2: says Obama is the, quote, more restrictive and more dangerous than any president in history. And
1: she's worried about the precedent that he has set for the next president. That's what she's worried about. But it, it's already, we who should be worried now?
2: She's the USA Today Washington Bureau Chief. Her name is Susan Page.
1: They have and the audio there if you want to put it on. Yeah. Because it's, it's worth it.
2: Okay, okay, It's let's definitely it.
1: worth it just to hear her say it. And I've
2: got and my And her computer colleagues just look at
1: it. I mean, I'm not sure if they even followed up.
2: Thanks to the sound system made possible by our donors here. Let's see if we can get this going. Oh, no, you know what? It's my – oh, oh okay. actually, it's good. It's an ad. Okay. And we are yeah, skipping, thanks, everyone. We're skipping the ad.
1: I do want, to, do want to thank the donors for that. This is a big difference, since I put my iPhone up, up to the microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Although that worked it fairly worked well. It technically. It really did. It really did. So
1: much
2: no, it is very nice to be able to plug things into our little mixer yeah. and get a professional sounding news clip. I don't think there's anything that lets me skip the ad. This is Breitbart. Breitbart, the all-cap headlines annoy me, and so do the ads. Let's see here what we got.
3: And you know, I think both these stories, the Ebola virus and the threat of ISIS are feeding into a sense that a lot of Americans have that the world is not only a dangerous place, but that the government is not competent to handle it. I mean, even the Secret Service uh, controversy, I think, uh, contributes to that sense. I, th- I think that's a very dangerous thing for President Obama, the sense that, that his administration is not competent. To protect the American people, that is the most fundamental job of a U.S. president, and I think it's a big factor in the midterm elections. I think it is increasingly, um, and th- that set of issues uh, are are contributing to a sense that Republicans, in particular, are trying to tap as we go into these final weeks before the election. It-
2: now, that clip didn't have anything to do with.
1: Was that the clip for the Breitbart?
2: That's the Breitbart clip. I, I just played it.
1: What the? I heard her say that. That must have been the the uh, the uh, thing that I, that I that I sent you.
2: It is the link that well, you sent me to with the well, story, but the clip itself that,
1: is from. What she said there was good too. Yeah. But we just want to hear the actual, because also, I think, she was speaking in a way, to say what she said. That is a damning indictment. That is a damning thing to say. And She said it in a semi-casual way, in a quick way. Right. You know what I mean about Obama being 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 dangerous. Right. Uh. It's also telling for her. She doesn't want to say that. But a part of her feels she has to. Do you, her do you, job do you remember
2: it. playing the clip and it was the clip do, of the other? Sure. Then I don't know why
1: Breitbart know. has messed it up. I'm going to try to find it. Okay, you, it's worth hearing.
2: You, you try to find it. It's worth
1: listening um, to this. It's
2: she apparently work. delivered it at a White House Correspondents Association seminar. Uh, this comment and said that he was more restrictive and more dangerous than any president in history. Yeah with respect to speech. Uh, in 2013, the Associated Press said Obama's crackdown on freedom of the press was having a, quote, chilling effect on journalism. And this is after Obama's Justice Department secretly obtained the phone records of 100 Associated Press reporters. So remember, the FEC wants to bring out potential restrictions. That that looks that looks similar.
4: Hmm.
2: That looks similar, the clip that you, oh, you're really, showing me right there, Bosh.
4: I will find it.
2: Okay, if you find it, let me know. Let me know. But I just want to give people a sense of the threat it. to freedom of speech under Obama and how if we keep Democrats in the majority, maybe that will be unchecked.
1: This might not be the one. Okay. That is the one. But okay. Is, but she said similar thing at this president.
2: At this press event, she yeah. said a similar thing? Okay. So let's, so let's go see. ahead and see what it is. It's
1: 55 seconds. It's on YouTube.
2: Oh, here. I need, I need some volume for you.
1: It should pop up.
2: Here we go. What mm-hmm.
3: My big fear is that this administration has been more restrictive and more challenging to the press, more dangerous to the press, really, than any administration in American history in terms of legal investigations and so on. And I think access to the White House has just gotten worse and worse. And I'm worried that whatever happens with this administration, that's the new floor for the next administration, Mm -hmm. and that we'll never regain access uh, or ability to. Right.
1: And uh, one thing also, and also to me, she's worried about that and you think about the nature of the average presidential candidate coming up and wanting to be a president post-Obama, the kind of power that they're seeking. Because right. right now he opened up the floodgates to presidential power to the, way, to, to the point where it's never, ever been this, this powerful, this office. So the kind of scum you're going to get on both sides is going to be just I mean, repulsive, seeing these people vie for the, this kind of power when they should never, ever have this kind of power. That's why you need a decent, virtuous human being to find his way there and try to make a, make a, make a difference.
2: Now, if that isn't scary enough, the USA Today bureau chief talking about Obama being the most dangerous.
1: Not a press event. With the how most. about
2: this? Again, what a lot of the people in government are going for right now is restrictions on political speech, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to, in the Senate, the Democrats wanted we want to expand to,
1: power, political power, and less opposition to it. Right. Less vocal opposition to it. Right. This is a
4: this is I mean total dictatorship really, move. Completely. Yes. yes.
2: So so this is there's a National Review Online piece, and it's called "Done In" by John Doe, and it's a yes. little window on what happens when the government enforces restrictions on campaign speech. Again, that's where they're trying to enact. Yes further restrictions on campaign speech. They want to do it through the Federal Election Commission. They want to do it through by by crook. Um, a constitutional amendment, which the Dems in the Senate were trying to get through. Uh, they didn't really have any hope for it, but let's not let them do it at all. Uh, anyway, so this is published October 25th, National Review Online, written by George Will. And it ba- essentially what it does, it talks about the enforcement of campaign finance restrictions in Wisconsin and how one particular government zealous government bureaucrat went ahead and tried to enforce these by SWAT team-style raids. It says, quote, "...the, the early morning paramilitary-style raids on citizens' homes were conducted by law enforcement officers, sometimes wearing bulletproof vests and lugging battering rams, pounding on doors and issuing threats." Spouses were separated as the police seized computers, including those of children still in pajamas. Closed drawers, including the children's, were ransacked. Cell phones were confiscated. And the citizens were told it would be a crime to tell anyone of the raids. Some raids were precursors of, others were parts of the nastiest episode of this unlovely political season, an episode that has occurred in an unlikely place. This attempted criminalization of politics in order to silence persons. Occupying just one portion of the political spectrum has happened in Wisconsin, which often has conducted robust political arguments with Midwestern civility. So now what they're doing, and they're saying that these raids are perhaps going to cost Scott Walker the election, because these raids were conducted on people who supposedly were spending on behalf of Republicans. But of course, there was similar spending done on behalf of Democrats, but only the Republican sympathizers were being raided. So we have Obama clamping down on the press. We have attempts in, within government of all levels to enact campaign finance restrictions. And we see in one state in Wisconsin, the military-style enforcement of those campaign restrictions reminding us that these restrictions campaign finance restrictions mean the application of government force to the issue of, of free speech and we see this very starkly in the in this story by George Will over at the National Review online this should frighten you it is democrats that are doing this it is democrats who are pushing for the restrictions it is democrats who are enforcing the restrictions with these paramilitary-style raids in Wisconsin. And in fact, I don't know if it's going to, but George Will on October 25th was at least worried that this might cost Scott Walker the election. Let's hope that the fact that this story gets out there is going to create additional sympathy for Scott Walker, get more people to the polls for Scott Walker, and that it won't indeed cost him the election. And what we got over here going on in the chat room over at Blog Talk Radio, Teddy Mm Obamavelt. I think Andrew over here in the chat room is trying to compete with you for the Punisher title.
1: Well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That's right, but I'm the (laughs) Punisher.
2: Teddy Obamavelt. Oh, and they're talking about gay rights and... What else? I, I don't I don't understand. You know what, these, these guys are having their own conversations <laughs> in the meantime. They're not very scared. We haven't scared them enough yet, Bosh, well, because so if we had scared them, they would are either that or maybe they are so scared they're huddling together and All they're right. talking about something else other than what we've got here. So we've got voter fraud, corruption in voting, we have Facebook influencing voting, we have threats to free speech. I wanted to give you guys just one Nice story somewhere in there, but I guess I do have one more. I have one more negative story in terms of intimidating citizens and using government power to intimidate citizens in their communications efforts. And this is the story from the Objective Standard that you sent me, Bosch. Yes. FBI Director asked Congress to pry open the new spy resistant smartphones. This is something that's going to come before Congress, and who knows, they may do it with a lame duck anyway.
4: No, they,
1: they could do a lot of rotten stuff with the lame duck.
2: Luckily, though, they're not going to do it with the Republicans, I don't think. They're not going to pry open spy-resistant smartphones in the Republican-led House. Do you think they will?
1: I mean, the Republicans are as bad as Democrats, so I don't know. They are.
2: Well, if they're as bad uh, as Democrats, then why go out to the polls for them? Uh, they've, they've
4: been, because they've been you better.
1: you who pops out. Okay, they're not as bad, okay, technically, because they're, they're a lot of them. Well, you got, they have a needless leader. And therefore, they become naturally more and more nihilistic. They're not as bad, but they are terrible. And they are Democrats. So you got the Democrats. You know, Democrats a little on the right. Democrats a little on the left. I guess that's what you have.
2: So as we know, the new iPhone 6 does not have a backdoor. And other devices are soon going to have similar lack of backdoor. Uh, but some government officials want to keep their backdoors. 1994... Congress passed the Communications Assistant for Law Enforcement Act, which enables law enforcement agencies to tap Americans' electronic communications, phone calls, text messages, email, web traffic, by requiring telecommunication companies to build back doors. But now we've got these devices, and the devices are not included under this. So here comes FBI Director James Comey. In an effort to pry open the iPhone and any future encrypted devices, he has appealed to Congress to amend the law to require all encrypted servers and devices to include a backdoor. So this means the encrypted servers of any email providers where they're trying to give you encrypted
4: Mm -hmm. email,
2: um, we would need what Ladar Levison was talking about. End-to-end right. end encryption, where the encryption is right. done in your own computer. Yes. That's probably the only way that you could be safe. But yes. then, of course, I guess what they'd say, there has to be a backdoor into the computer, eternally open to the Internet. I mean, you know, th- this, is, this is an angle that I want to take, actually, I think, in my next, quote, academic paper. But my next angle, I think, is going to be one that I've talked about with Ladar Levison in that interview. Yes. Yeah. Was a year and a half ago or something? Last year? It was about a year ago at least, I think. And the concept that I talked about with him was the idea of having the equivalent of your own home where you are the only one who has the key to the lock. Why can't we have that same kind of a virtual entity online? Why shouldn't it be the case that just as the government now has to come to our door of our house with a search warrant, why shouldn't it be the case that they have to go to your virtual home with a search warrant presented to you to turn over the information? Why is it that the mere fact that you know companies provide you with certain services and stuff, then suddenly they the government never has to face you? They never have to let you know that they're getting information about you. They can get it from these other people. And I I don't see why that should be the case. Now, I don't think that companies have to give you a device without a backdoor. I mean, you know, but but if Apple wants to provide devices without backdoors, they should be legally able to do it. We should be able to buy them. And the government should have to come to me with a warrant for my phone and get it out of my hand that way.
1: I can't believe where we are. I don't, know. I don't think th- I reminded. don't think the
2: Supreme Court's going to be very happy about any of this. They, sh- they, Are
1: they. I hope not.
2: No, I mean because in remember there was the recent case saying that you couldn't just search a a cell phone as a quote search incident yeah. to arrest well, that you had to have a separate
1: because warrant. Because some, someone the left they don't want their privacy. I mean they don't want what they're up to out but, there. But, That's, they, no, but it's it's objective for them. It's not right. it's not on principle.
2: But they also realize that these devices. I'm almost joking these devices often carry with it as much information or even more yes. information that is in your Absolutely home. Absolutely
1: right. Absolutely right. And that's the whole thing. I mean, Sometimes they, you
2: they, walk in someone's home and all there want, are
1: clothes and they,
2: furniture. And, they want
1: the trespass. Right?
2: There's more private information on these phones than there they is in, in the They want to bypass the
1: home. law and just get into what you know what we have here. This
2: but, This article ends with, Americans who are concerned about their privacy should take a moment to contact their representatives and demand that they reject this request For further rights violations in this area, and moreover, vote people in who are not going to back this up. We know that this FBI guy is a Democrat. It's the Democrats who are going to try to give him what he wants. So that's just one more thing to worry about. Now, the good news on the free speech front—it has—it comes from UC Berkeley this week. And if you remember, Bill Maher. They had invited him to be a commencement speaker, and then in light of his criticism of Islam, not of radical Islam, as some news outlets, he he, he criticizes (laughs) more than just radical Islam. He actually criticizes Islam. Islam. Um, In light of that criticism, some students were circulating a petition saying that he should be disinvited. He should not be speaking there. And UC Berkeley's leadership apparently has doubled down and said, no, we're really? going to have him despite student protests. The Atlantic
1: says, political correctness is back? Is back. What do you mean back? It's, it's, it's never gone. I mean, this is a leftist rag, so they, they're going to try to pretend that right. there's something new. Oh, please. Matt, anyway,
2: in, the, Matt in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, I thought liberals were tolerant. Yeah. You know, in light of the fact that there were these liberal students, these, uh, yeah, Leftist type students,
1: it's or and also Muslims. I but, think yeah, there's one Muslim but, student who rallied the left because that's they're they're all totalitarians, right. left and Muslims.
2: Right. In in light of that, I had recirculated around a post that I've got at my blog, and it's called "Liberals' Ten Commandments Post 9/11," and the very first uh-huh. one of the so you know Ten Commandments is freedom of speech unless that speech includes that's a right. criticism of Islam. Right. Yeah. So if you want to Google it, just Google liberals, 10 commandments, post 9-11, and you'll find, I think it's the most popular post on my blog of all time. And I list 10 principles that have generally been thought to be enshrined in liberal or leftist thought forever. And they just seem to drop the context entirely when it comes to Islam. And that's what they've done in this case. But I'm just, I'm really glad. So here we go. We have Berkeley,
1: you know, yeah. remaining
2: remaining true to the spirit of a university, and which being, is to hear yeah, but, a variety of ideas.
1: But they're being, quote, unquote, smeared as a conservative, a conservative institution now. <laughs> you believe that?
2: <laughs> Berkeley, a
4: conservative So if
1: you are for, you know, if you are to allow someone to speak their mind at your university, you, right. are, you are conservative.
4: Right, right.
1: Yeah. Now, all, all, but keep in mind also, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, speaking about Islam in the way that Mar does, uh, conservatives are very reluctant to. They are very reluctant to, not to speak about it the way Mar does. That's why even in Breitbart news will say, he goes after radical Islam again. He doesn't go after radical Islam. I keep, every time they point it out, I tweet them. I say, it's not radical Islam, it's Islam. And I, as I put it for myself, and I guess I could put it for Mar as well, you know, we're not critics of radical Islam, we are radical critics of Islam. Yes, That's yes. the whole thing, and it's, these guys, it keeps – every single well, week. Well, but I mean, is,
2: you know, in effect, what Breitbart is doing is lying.
1: They're lying also. They are yes, lying and also protecting their headlines. Them, no, but they're – headline. No, yeah. but they, uh, they are saying more or less – I think they're protecting themselves from saying Islam. You know right. I mean? That's how people do it these days. They, but they have to buffer the term Islam with
4: uh, Breitbart
2: radical... Breitbart people, if, if, uh, if, if anyone who works at Breitbart is listening, what you need to do if you're going to say that Bill Maher criticizes radical Islam again... Uh, in order to not lie, you need to put square brackets around the word Absolutely radical. Absolutely right. That's, because he doesn't criticize radical he doesn't. Islam. He criticizes Islam. Islam, as as do we here on the yes, show. Yes,
1: and it's excellent. I mean, I just – he has, again, I'll say it again. He has mainstreamed criticism against Islam. That's a huge dent. Right. A huge dent. of uh, that conservatives haven't done.
2: And if you're a Muslim or another sort of apologist for Islam, you think Islam is peachy keen, fine, and dandy, then you should – be able to withstand
4: the of criticism
2: of someone like Ma and just be part of the debate yeah. like everybody else.
4: Right? I mean,
1: if, if it was so great, it could withstand any kind of criticism. It okay, It would be, so it'd be criticism proof, but it's not.
2: So can we start the scary, scary stuff now?
1: Well, let me just share one scary thing, if you don't mind. Okay. A U.S. envoy, right? He was in, I think, Kuwait. He was speaking to Muslims. He's a former general, John Allen. Remember, he made that one thing a couple years ago to uh, Afghanistan after An Afghani murdered one of our own, right? So he goes out there, he was actually trying to speak, you know, whatever, what language in Afghanistan, whatever. This guy's a piece of crap. And now he's in Kuwait giving a speech, right? And he says, to defeat ISIS, we must highlight our profound respect for Islam. And these guys are sitting there in the audience. They're trying not to chuckle. They're trying not to laugh. Or cry. I mean, they're, they're really... I mean, because he's cry, basically wait, wait, signing their
2: death warrants. No, I mean,
1: come on. No, wait, signing who's?
2: Because he's basically saying, here, our soldiers are now fought. Yes, us. no, 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 right?
1: no. What I'm saying is it's about us. He's not a general anymore. Right. He's a U.S. envoy. He's in Kuwait, and he's talking about the way we defeat ISIS is by expressing a profound respect for Islam. And these guys are chuckling, is what I'm saying, in the audience. Um, but, you know, I, I put it the other day. I said, Islam gives Muslims... Uh, the motivation to murder us. But it's our Islamophilic politicians right. who give them the idea that they can win.
4: Right.
1: When they hear that, they in their mind, we got this. Right, right. And so this.
2: and so it, it it's all the more important that people allow Bill Maher to speak and
1: every single week. And you, you know what? He buckles slightly slightly all day when he says, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But these guys are killing. us we have to. Meaning, if people don't kill this week, he's not going to talk about it. He has to. He, I mean, for yeah, himself because yeah. he knows this is a threat. He knows right. that they're coming after me. He, right. he, I mean, I hope he doesn't just say, "Well, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to talk about this anymore," because he's a voice that we need. He mm-hmm. is forcing his audience, his liberal leftist audience to hear the truth about Islam, something that they refuse to to hear.
3: Right. And again and it's sitting
2: there. it's it's someone in the private sector, an individual standing up and doing what our government totally refuses Completely. to do. Which is to confront and
3: acknowledge the, the truth.
1: I love it. Um I can't stand him outside of it. I mean he really sucks outside of it. He really does.
3: There must um, be other things that he's good about.
1: Mm, I don't know because I heard something the old day, he was pathetic about it. What uh, was it? Do you he, remember? It was about the um, the Ferguson. The guy was a thug, but the cop's a murderer. It's like, wait a minute. A guy's a thug. That thug attacked the cop. Uh, the cop, to so, defend himself, so, shot him. So
2: was his idea? Yeah, the guy was a thug, but, uh,
1: he's, but the cop is
2: supposed to be Superman. Yes,
1: exactly. He's supposed to withstand the guy's yeah, thuggery. Yeah. Look, the guy was trying to grab his gun. This this is what they do. Right. Thugs. And he shot him. He shot him dead. So what I'm saying is. He's pathetic. that. also about the Democrats. He's trying to give a Democrat's advice to vote. It's like, you idiot. If you are rational enough to understand the greatest ideological threat that we face today, just step back and think who is enabling that enemy far more than the Republicans even.
4: Right.
1: Barack Obama, Pelosi. You know, Pelosi did the uh, ass kiss in Damascus. Remember when she wore the, right, uh, right, right. the uh, what do you call that? The headscarf.
4: Right.
1: She's talking to that piece of crap with a long neck. He's a camel, the, the leader of, uh, of Syria, what's his name?
2: Oh, I don't know.
1: Camel neck, anyway.
2: Awesome. Let's go on to Obamacare. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Obamacare. Now, what, were you looking at something here in the in the chat room?
4: Yeah.
2: Okay. Do call if people want to call in and chat with us, 760-888-5817. And, yes, I do want to scare you with Obamacare. In fact, there was a little game that was going around, I guess, on Twitter, And I saw the hashtag on Facebook. It was in a post of Ted Cruz, and it was scary stories in five words.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: Right? And so my scary story was Obamacare will never be repealed. How is that for five scary words? A scary story in five words. I was
1: actually bugged when I read it. I I was bugged.
2: But the whole premise was that you were supposed to come up with a scary story. And that is is the scariest story ever in five words. But listen to the information that I have here about Obamacare. Forbes put out an article that I saw this week, which is, and here's the headline, Now there can be no doubt Obamacare has increased non-group premiums in nearly all states. And, of course, this is just information about the 2014 Premiums, right? And what they have, if you go over all the links to all the stories are at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Go to don'tletitgo.com, and you can find the links to all these stories. But if you wind up at this Forbes story, again, now there can be no doubt, Obamacare has increased non-group premiums. At the Forbes site, they have a chart, and they show you the percentage increase state by state by state. So, for example, in Montana. It looks like the premiums, non-group premiums, increased almost by eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. Now, in a
1: few. That's what Obama said, though, right? A few years ago, he said it will it will be hiked up to eighty-five percent, right? He said that on his on his speeches. Yeah.
2: Now, in a few states, that appeared to decrease or not go up by very much. And what the author of the Forbes article was careful to say is that there was incomplete information from. Some of the states. So they're saying that actually in some places where it looks like it's decreased or not increased by very much, it's probably increased by a lot more, but they can go only by the data that they're able to collect. But, I mean, they've got, you know, 35% in some places, 10% in other places, et cetera. And when I saw this story, I thought, okay, we know about 2014. Oh, you're going to look at some more, Bill Maher? Yeah? It's up. It's up, okay.
1: His uh, his, uh Bill yep. Moore's reaction to the commencement speech from the Berkeley, okay, women and also Ebola. Okay. So with the Ebola thing, who knows how?
2: Yeah, how we'll it we'll, is. See, we'll see how he is. But he might he, blame you but but so so when I saw this story and you see these figures again, go to Forbes, check it out, share it with your friends. There is no doubt that Obamacare has caused an increase in these non-group premiums. So then, of course, the big question was, what's it going to be for 2015? And remember that none none of the new premiums were going to be announced until the beginning of the open enrollment period, which conveniently isn't until November 15th, which is after the election. Because, of course, they don't want you to get the sticker shock before the election. And I thought, none of us is going to get any information about how our premiums are going to increase until after the election. Gee, that is just, crafted by the democrats but interestingly enough if you have a plan this year a non-group premium plan you may get a letter from your provider telling you what your premium increase will be next year if you choose to stay with essentially the same plan of course the plans are going to be tweaked a little bit and they give you a little detail of you know there's going to be this change and now we've got this new class of drugs and we're only going to cover it at 10%, so screw you. Um, things like that. But I've got two data points about plans in California. In one case, the subscriber had had a bronze plan and that plan is going up 9% next year. In another case, a subscriber had had a platinum plan and that plan is going up. 13 percent next year. Another anecdotal piece of information I have is about a university and the university which had been offering the um, you know the employees a choice of either an HMO plan or a PPO plan, the university will no longer be offering any PPO plan, no preferred provider plan. If you're going to take a university plan, the employer-sponsored plan, you have to take the HMO plan because the PPO plan, I guess, was so expensive that now it would be subject to the so-called Cadillac tax under Obamacare, and so they weren't offering it anymore. So imagine no PPO plan at all offered at an employer, and I'm sure that's happening at other employers, too. So... There's some data right there, 9%, 13%, people canceling PPO plans entirely. If you want a PPO, you have to buy it individually on the market at those higher rates. We do have the person I think who called before has called back. Hi, who's this? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Who is it?
6: Uh, Okay, yeah, this is Roman.
2: Hi. Oh, so you called in. Not only did you come in the chat room, you called in, so welcome
6: hey thank you um yeah um i um, i found out that my uh, premiums are going up next uh, year i don't know how by how much so i'm kind of holding off on the rant but um, i mean i've never voted before but i'm i'm going to vote this tuesday
2: just just in reaction to the health insurance situation
6: no uh, i mean i've kind of i, I was gearing up to vote uh, uh, for a while now, it's a, too much stuff was going on in the country that bothered me. I actually was um, uh, had a question for uh, uh, Bosch if um, you could uh, uh, if you could give a good sources of uh, history of Islam. Um, I mean, as objective as possible sources uh, for somebody to look up and study up on that.
1: Well, I mean. If you're asking uh, if you're uh, you know, genuine uh, in this, because some people do this and they try to undercut someone, which which I've had before. But I have a whole I have a whole list of books, and uh, I talk about it in interviews. Uh, Robert Spencer's books, um, Andrew Boston's books. Uh, Andrew Boston has one book on the history of jihad. One second, let me just pull it out. Actually, I don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> Yeah
6: I'm he's, not he's, he's, uh, I'm he's not trying grab to under- a book
2: off a shelf right now yeah No
6: no I, I, I'm not it, trying to undercut anybody it's just no, that I, I get into sure. debates into uh, like uh, like about this issue and with uh, for example recently got into a debate with another person who happened to be a muslim convert about israel and I was kind of defending the israeli position and right. uh, they were saying oh this source is uh, non Non-trustworthy, and that source is not trustworthy.
4: But well, my friend who lives
6: who lived in the, in Gaza is a trustworthy right. source. So right. when I speak about it, I want to be able to point that. right. Well, I mean, Robert,
1: at, Robert um, Spencer to me was probably. I mean, I've read more books by Robert Spencer alone than probably anyone. But Andrew Boston has some great books. Andrew Boston has a book called The Legacy of Jihad: Islamic Holy War and the Fate of Non-Muslims. It's an incredible book. It's hundreds of pages long. Um, a lot of research from Islamic uh, texts in the past from history. Uh, he goes into. The, I mean, it's just. I'm almost reluctant to recommend things people because I read far too much than I ever ever wanted to learn, but I felt I had to if I wanted to write a book, a story about it, and I had to. But, but the Quran. Robert before, Spencer would be a good. Yeah, Robert Spencer probably he covers almost everything: the history of Islam, the history of Muhammad, the the possibility that Muhammad didn't exist, uh, books on the 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 stealth jihadists in America. Um, I think his first book was Islam Unveiled. I got years ago um, There's another Other books I mean There's a ton of them uh, Serge Trifkovich uh, Ibn Warwick It's an excellent book Why I am not a Muslim If you want a primer I think uh, Islam 101 In a lot of ways Check out Ibn Warwick's book Why I am not a Muslim It's excellent It's excellent It covers More or less Everything that you need To know The basics but um, there's so many books. I read dozens and dozens of books. I mean, I, I just, again, I think I learned and re- too much you
3: know, about the
2: reading, reading the Quran itself. Yeah, reading the good. Quran. The other thing, Roman, um, I don't know if you've looked for it before, but if you on Blog Talk Radio search for the name Robert Spencer, I think what will come up is an interview that I did with Robert Spencer and put up on Blog Talk Radio. And the interview was done, it was about a one hour interview at the end of a Quran reading group that I had led. And so there was a lot of very pointed questions to him, and some of them I asked in a sort of devil's advocate mode. So you might enjoy that as well in in addition to to doing some of the reading.
1: Also one thing, uh, sorry, Robert Spencer is probably the most uh, reviled uh, of the writers on Islam, especially by Muslims, because he's very effective. He knows Islam chapter and verse. Off the cuff in interviews, he pops out verse this, verse right. that. It's pretty incredible. I, can, I hope
2: I can actually paraphrase an entire passage of the Quran, yes, but can. I can't even cite where right. exactly it's from,
1: just because it was so it,
2: ridiculous. I had to
1: memorized. It. it was such a chore, such a bore mm-hmm. reading the book. I literally fell asleep at times. I even put it in the margins. But uh, if you want to understand it, and again, I don't recommend people reading the Quran. I, don't re- I, don't re- I recommend people, you know, studying Islam to that extent. I think they should just learn enough. Where they can counter these arguments, where they can counter Muslims, because Muslims are built to try to discredit you. Mm. Oh, that's not true. Even if you read, let's just say a, a Quran uh, translated by, by by an American. Oh, that's not really a Quran. And then you say, oh, so a Muslim who read this version, I guess, is not a, a real Muslim. Right. But anyway. Certainly. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's endless. But uh, if you ever want to email or something, I, I can give you a whole list, a pretty uh, comprehensive list. Thank you. Yep. of course
2: any anything else Roman before we go on with our list of horror stories
6: yeah, to your point about uh freedom of speech um in a somewhat related manner with all this uh these stories about intrusion into into our privacy i i mean even now like uh I call and I think well is this going to somehow come out? Is my employer going to find out who I am and that I spoke about this? It, it, it would have a chilling effect on speech because uh, you don't know. You don't know who who the information will be passed to if it becomes available. Um,
4: right.
6: I mean, I overcome this by thinking, okay, well, it doesn't matter because if, if that's the kind of world I live in that I can't even speak freely, then you know what? So the hell with the consequences but uh, it 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 does it, it it's uh, sometimes uh, scary to express an opinion in a public forum like that because of how much uh, violation of privacy that could potentially be
2: right right i mean it, it affects you at least just a little bit even if you end up deciding well i'm going to i think do exactly what i would have done anyway regardless that little bit of hesitation that you feel that little bit of wondering what the consequences will be that in and of itself is force and it is affecting your thinking it is changing the way you think just a tiny bit and that you know to, to me that's a, a prime example any of the worries about this kind of stuff or they had that attack watch website several mm. years ago it was an example of what Ayn Rand said about how force stops thinking when you realize that your thoughts are affected just slightly by the prospect of the government watching you and that implicit in the government watching you is that they might actually do something about whatever it is that you say or do or who you call or who you hang out with and any of that stuff, it, it's, um, it's chilling as they call it. It's what chilling is.
6: Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, your podcasts have been quite an entertainment because 405 gets very packed some days.
2: I know it well, thank Roman. You. I know it well. I'm a native Californian, so I definitely know it. Thanks very, thanks very much for calling in on uh, on your first time listening live. We appreciate it. Take care. Bye. So yeah, that 405 and.
1: What? I mean to be defensive about it, but some people sometimes ask just to get. Oh, Robert Spencer? Well, he is nothing. He he's not. He's one of the most effective voices against Islam. That's right, why he's considered right. the most. Uh,
2: so let, let's uh, let's talk about the the big Obamacare story of the week, which was that Mitch McConnell, who had in 2012 <laughs> stated that oh, you know, Obamacare, it's just a tax. Yep. So therefore, you could repeal it with just 51 yes, votes. Yes, Then he's changed his tune this year. Yes. And so that, oh, no, you'd have to oh, have 60, 60
1: votes. I, 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 you know, he, he burp talks. <laughs> have your ever have, have you Oh, heard? yeah. Mitch McConnell is like, burr, 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 you know, 60 votes.
2: And we see, we saw this week, the power
1: yes.
2: of a radio host, not me, obviously someone with a <laughs> huge audience, Mark Levin.
1: Mark Levin. He forced him to basically have his publicist say, "Well, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell <laughs> is still, you know, really going to try to fight Obamacare. He, he, he's, he, gonna, you he's, know, still he's
2: still to quote, committed to killing repealing. Obamacare yeah. with 51 votes." And because so I've got I've got a couple stories on this linked over at my blog at go dot com, and the second one is from the Washington Examiner. And right now, Adobe is flashing a "Download me" in my face, which I don't want. But it says Mitch McConnell willing to kill Obamacare with just fifty-one votes.
1: The better one to, to read is from um, Daniel Harwitz on the Conservative, conservative Review. But, I think that's the that,
2: best. But that was the one that just showed his contradiction, right?
1: That, yeah, yeah, it showed his former yeah. quote. Okay, so this right. is different. Okay, right.
2: so this is this is the upshot, though. The upshot is that he has been shamed yep. publicly
1: he and was he was on record saying he he will you know take it down with with, with fifty one votes,
2: yeah, so now he's decided, okay, yeah, he'll actually have to do that now. The question is if the Senate passes with fifty one or so votes and the House, of course, would pass a repeal of Obamacare. It goes to Obama's yes. desk. He's not going to sign that damn thing.
1: Well, the, uh, Daniel Hard was just talking about that. Let me, let me let me let me show you what he said. I,
2: I mean, the, the, this is thing. this is the thing. The the thing is, there might be more senators on the Democrat side who now would go ahead and vote for a repeal to for Obamacare to save Obama their
4: political apps. To
2: save, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that that's about what he said, right? right? More or less. Yeah, that's what I figure. So imagine that. You actually can go to the polls. You could maybe get a majority in the Senate. And we have Mark Levin able to hold their nose to the fire. Is that, is, that, is
1: that the uh, hold, metaphor that I want? Hold their feet to the fire. Hold their feet to the fire? <laughs> hold their nose well, to the fire. Well, they're long. Please, please whoa, put whoa, their long. Hold on. Their Pinocchio nose to the fire. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you, you lied. <laughs> Let's not make a liar. You were supposed to burn off your nose. <laughs> no, but Mark Levin, uh, he may have prompted some listeners of his to. Um okay. it's, it's he may have prompted some listeners of his to go out and vote Tuesday because of this simple little thing because we have been told again and again and again, even New York Times today released it, uh the repeal of Obamacare is not gonna happen, you know. And that's what, you know, we've come to feel in a lot of ways. Because the problem they are chumps, you know. They well, do and
2: it. and here here's something. I mean, hold it, on, it, Andrew
1: got it. Pinocchio, that's a damn good one. Pinocchio. I, I got to give him
2: credit. Does, for does that. he win?
1: Does he win? Yeah, he wins tonight.
2: <sighs> Roman says the Senate majority would be nice, but how is the House race going? I assume the House is yes, going to keep its they get majority. Yes, they're keep
1: and and pick up some more seats. Yes.
2: I mean, that would be really yes. nice. It would send a message, so yes, to speak. Yes, it will. If if they did, but but so this is something they could. Eat. I don't know if they're going to get a clean repeal bill.
1: They can pass over. Paul Obama Ryan Zito. said, "85% of it we can knock out." Eighty-five percent of it, not the full throttle. And repeal. Paul
2: Ryan has said this recently. A
1: few years ago, he said. Well, now this this rat will not say Now they're going to say, again. oh, okay.
2: gee, it's all entrenched and oh my God, people's yeah,
3: expectations but, and but
1: the fact is this, they're the is on the it. The Republicans, and... if we see them fight to repeal Obamacare next two years, if we see them generally, you know, really do it, you know how much more that that
2: will carry them into 2016 and yes, into course, the presidency. Of course, of course, say wait a
1: minute, if, mm. if these guys look serious. If they get a, 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 the House the Senate, and the President, they can absolutely, fully repeal this. And not replace the crap. Right. Repeal or replace, re- repeal it.
2: So this is something that we may have a chance to actually do something about in the last couple of years of Obama, is mm. get rid of Obamacare. That would be amazing. Um, I mean, wow. And, and, and why you want to do this, I've got a couple of articles just to tell you about government being bad in general with respect to your health. Uh, Bad government dietary advice, making people fat, making them die prematurely. You know how the government gives out all of their advice about what you should eat. The five food groups and how you should, you know, organize your plate and eat low fat. And it's all full of garbage. And, of course, when they are shown to be wrong, they never go out there and say, oh, we were wrong. Don't do that. Do this. They just t- maybe sort of gradually change their recommendations and pretend that nothing's ever changed. Bad government dietary advice, making you fat, sick, and everything else. And then, of course, stuck with Obamacare, healthcare. care. Yeah. Uh, State Department is apparently planning to bring foreign Ebola patients to the U.S., which will only further tax our health care system. I did see something that Ted Cruz signed, maybe a letter to Department of Health and Human Services, in which he says, look, we need to have accountability about how our nation's health care resources are being used to care for these Ebola patients that might be being brought in. Because that is a huge factor. I mean, talk about they said, okay, there's too much being spent on health care. And Obama just says, oh, you know, we'll just... Uh, put these nurses and doctors at risk yeah. and we'll spend all this money and build build new isolation wards and stuff. Why? Because it is our duty to cure Ebola, of course. Uh, Spanish intelligence has intercepted a plot to weaponize Ebola. Yeah. Again, further reason that we would need to have a health care system not crippled by Obamacare. So this is the Obamacare horror story part of this. So I'm trying to scare you about your health care <laughs> and get you to go vote because I think maybe but, it could make a difference. Mitch McConnell make a difference.
1: said that his original plan was to uproot Obamacare, root and branch. And that's the thing. You get these guys with these sound bites. You put it in their face again and again and again. And a, a Ted Cruz with a little more backup in the Senate right. and more House members who feel their oaths like, like, wait a minute, we, we, we can actually make a difference here. He's not a leader, Mitch McConnell. He's not a leader. He's an end up there by default because whatever. It's it's a, the seniority time. It's, it's his turn, whatever. Since he's not a leader, he could be forced to make things he doesn't want to do because he has said it on record. As a technically a leader, he said, we're going to repeal Obamacare. We do everything against it. Well, all right. Now's your chance. You have the power. And we'll see because – it's the whole aspect of it being referred to as a tax, which is which right. is the reason that they can do it technically on a technicality.
3: Right, right, right. And
1: that's why I say, oh, if it's just a tax, then we can just, you know.
2: You know, Roman over here in the chat room is asking whether you could go. I could go over the propositions on the ballot. And here's the thing. So I I already voted. I voted by mail a while ago, and I. Gave myself a certain amount of time, and I studied as much as I could, and I made the best choices that I could given the time that I had, and I read little things here and there and stuff. Um, let me tell you what I voted. and you know, Again, I, I make no kind of claims about omniscience or anything else. Uh, the water bond amendment, which was uh, measure one, I got I was a little torn about it because in today's context it seems that our water supply is at the behest of government and so maybe if you vote no that somehow you're putting at risk an actual supply of water to your own place but when you actually read the statements the pros and cons in the little pamphlet there's credible argument to show that yeah they're just going to spend a whole bunch of money and they're not going to really affect the water supply in a positive way that much so You know, even though in a drought year you're very sympathetic with it, and there's a lot of Republicans who have said yes to this, I said no to spending all that money. Uh, Budget stabilization account, where they say, okay, we're going to transfer money when they have excess money to a stabilization account, so that they can use that money in the years that they don't have more money. Um, I would say yes. You, you know, you're going to save the government money, faster payment of existing debts. Um, you're going to keep reserves for the thin years. I don't think there's anything wrong with that one. Uh, no on the health care insurance rate changes initiative statute. Um, it's more regulation of the health insurance industry. I would think more regulation is worse than less regulation. So I would say no more regulation. Uh, the drug and alcohol testing of doctors and et cetera, that's another regulation. I would say no. Um, isn't there already this kind of stuff there? Um Again, just further regulation of the healthcare industry. Uh, criminal sentences, misdemeanor penalties. It seemed fine, but then there were other evil things in that legislation, and so on 47, I voted no. Uh, Indian gaming compacts. It, it's weird. On the one hand, you would say, okay, well, we want to at least allow, allow some gambling, but I don't like picking winners and losers as to who gets to have gambling. And say, oh, well, Indians are privileged and they get to do gambling legally, but nobody else can. So I went ahead and voted no. Um, And I think that's it for the state props. I hope that helps. I mean, I don't know if it helps at all. But if you are tempted to want to have a misdemeanor penalty instead of a felony penalty on the drug and property offenses, blah, blah, it sounds really cool. Go ahead and read Prop 47 because I remember there were other things like it gave money to government schools or it was something that was totally unrelated and evil so read actually what Prop 47 does and then I think you would join me in in voting no anyway what I hate is when in the little tiny description it sounds like it's one thing and then really it turns out that it's something else entirely what do you got there
1: this is fresh from tonight Bill Moore talking about his uh, speech with uh, Palestinian quote unquote Palestinian Italian journalist novelist writer uh,
2: how how long is the clip? I don't know. It's five minutes. Five minutes. Do we want to try it? I do. Okay, try it. We'll see I mean, if we can do a quick rundown after. We expect
1: after. to be something strong, you know, and in, 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 in the defense of himself of, of free speech, uh, arguing against a uh, Muslim who is anti free speech.
4: So
2: good. Roman said he he found that helpful. Again, I'm. I just, you know, I give it to you as a friend. I don't give it to you as a, as a total expert. I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But if he
1: doesn't vote, you got to find out why. That's right. Like, like Democrats.
2: <laughs> we don't know how you voted, Roman, but, but we know we... <laughs> if you voted. Uh, put it on? <laughs> yes.
1: So this is for Oh, wait, here. This here. Is, I haven't uh-huh. heard it. I have not heard it. I just wanted to check during the middle of the show because I know that his… His, his show airs yeah. about our showtime. And yeah. I always check out his… his See, this is uh, why
2: we don't yeah. have a huge audience because they're all watching Bill Maher. <laughs> That's Mar. right.
1: All right, here we go. I don't know what it, what it is, but it's probably good. It's Bill Maher versus this, uh, quote-unquote, Palestinian journalist, whatever. Here we go. Right.
0: I hate monologues. When you invite somebody to a commencement speech, you said it. It's about the students. And the New York Times in this piece this morning said you can counter a bad speech with a good speech, except – they don't have that venue. They don't have that opportunity that day of graduation. They can't opt out of that. And
4: I'll, I'll, well, I'm, not I'll, I'm telling you one
5: about thing. That subject, I understand. I just said. But I'll does that mean we thing. never have speeches? Every speech has to be
0: two people? But this is a commencement speech. This is a commencement address. Every commencement of these speech is one students who are actually listen, would you accept an openly anti-Semitic? person give a commencement speech to Jewish students, I I wouldn't actually I actually would not accept that. As I just said,
5: even Reza Aslan says I'm not a bigot. So I rather resent the idea that I'm comparable to an anti Semite. All I've ever done was basically read facts.
0: What facts did you read? You never uh, invite But uh, uh, but Bill Bill, I I don't think we want to read You are comparing jihadist, Salafist, Sunni you don't know you're, the difference. You're, you're comparing all Muslims in one You're, time. you're a and, they are, and I am actually a secular, secular Muslim. And when okay, you talk I, about okay, Islam you, in a certain way, you, I have...
1: Sorry, a secular Muslim, she just lost her Muslim audience. Right. She just lost her Muslim audience. She did. So let me go
0: on. I tell you, and it's, can it's you be, offensive sometimes. Can you be... And it's, some people but, feel... But threatened. it's okay to
1: be
6: offensive. That's what free speech is all about. If Free speech is only speech you like. It's not free
0: speech. <laughs> He can go no. to the debate. I will accompany you in that debate if you want. I'm happy to have that debate wherever you want. to He was so invited to be a commencement ever. speaker, and then he me. made a statement that can people you, didn't want. to I don't know what to say. I can understand. Can you, can fly
5: you fly be gay in Gaza? Yes, you can. Really? Oh. Yes,
0: you can. And live? Absolutely,
1: <laughs> <You know> what? <laughs> he's it's right even about it.
5: Because you're saying, because I've heard you can be gay I've read, in
1: Ga- they're going to change the name to Gaza from now on, you know? yeah, because yeah. they're okay. going to really support homosexual rights after, awesome. after this, after Bill Maher said that, and after she <laughs> backed it up, right? Right,
0: really, I traveled the Middle East.
1: Is there a gay what bar do, in Gaza?
0: This is what I do for a living. Jeez, this, is, this is what you do. This is what you do. You put, no, no, it, no.
2: put it but in their t- face. Talk about the typical ad hominem. I've saying. traveled the Middle East. Yes. This is what yes. I do for a living. You haven't traveled the Middle East, yes, so you don't what know what, I, what you're talking about. You I've, know, I've, never, news, been are I've right? never been to Europe. News reports are worthless. I've never been
1: to Europe. I've never been to Middle East. Nothing. So, you know yeah, I mean, yeah. therefore, I can't talk about it Exactly. I mean, it. Exactly. You want a little more? Or no? Yes, please.
0: majority of Muslim states... Uh, with Saudi Arabia or with... with should I call Aflac
1: I, and get
6: him back here so we can... I think you know, you know, this is you, th- think beyond Muslim.
5: I, 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 think think it's the, it's about, I think it's about whether someone can be invited to give a speech and people will listen. Maybe they'll agree with it. Maybe they won't. But we don't have uh, a situation in in Berkeley where people can't give a speech. I mean, that's the whole essence of the I mean, American I mean, system is people ridiculous. can give I'm a speech, sorry,
1: not every. Could uh, Bill Maher go to Gaza and do a speech?
2: Certainly not.
1: No. Not and live. She can't either as a secular Muslim. yeah, She can't do that. Yeah. But she can go on Bill Maher's show and spout off. What a bimbo.
5: Has to agree the Muslim community
0: says. in this country, you are treating them like a fifth columnist, and they are not.
4: And no, guess I am what? not.
0: Are, and then guess what if these
4: people these people
1: are right. the Muslim- I mean, look what she's putting in his, in his in his mouth you know what I mean yeah. you're saying this you're saying this no yeah. I'm saying what I'm saying you're right. taking exception to that because I'm, I'm telling tellin the truth about your your horrific religion
0: Muslim community feel threatened and feel offended and they're underrepresented they feel
1: threatened oh, and offended just, just <laughs> a record if no one heard about this uh, Canada back to back murders from Muslims Okay, back to back. The first thing you hear is how the I think it was the the authorities, they were worried about the backlash against Muslims, the murders we are to expect from Muslims, but our backlash, that's what they're worried about. We never do that.
2: How much more is there?
1: It's a few uh, two minutes, something. Okay.
2: In the media,
0: and underrepresented in political avenues. You never invite them
1: here. Underrepresented. You never
5: invite them here. You're
1: here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you bimbo. You're here. <laughs> no, it, he has a piece of crap, Riza Avalon, also. Yeah. A piece of crap Muslim.
4: Yeah.
0: What do you mean on these
5: issues? I'm the the one who says I want to stop talking about this. I can't because things happen in the news. I
0: was invited to talk about something else. It was August 1st.
5: Well, Rez has been here a lot.
0: And I'm happy that he's been here, and I've been here, and I'm so happy to be invited here. However, if you want to have a serious conversation about Islam, and I'm sorry to tell you this, Bill. Every
5: time I say something you don't like, it's not a serious conversation, or I'm a bigot. I'm sorry. In your world, either I say exactly what you want me to say, or else I'm a bigot. And that just doesn't work for me. Look, if you're...
2: I think this is good. We're going to let people go ahead and yeah. grab that clip later. Yeah. But can you send me the link sure. to that clip? And then sure. I'll put it up on my blog at yes. DontLetItGo.com and definitely check out. I love it. We're going to he's have to have, still, have the, the Bill Maher clip of the week or something feature there. He's still
1: defending himself. He's still defending himself, which is he, fantastic.
2: He's doing really well. We have a pile of things to get through, Bosch. So he
1: hasn't has buckled.
2: Let's go ahead and do our kind of, uh, what do we call it, bat out of hell, where yeah. we just really zoom through the stories. Okay, so we did Obamacare. Now we got to talk a little bit about ISIS and Islamic State. Uh, one story tells us that ISIS has more land, money, and fighters than Al-Qaeda had on 9-11. Yeah. That is how, I guess, yeah. what do you call it, equipped
1: yeah.
2: ISIS is compared They're to Al-Qaeda? They're
1: the jihadist, you know, group in the world right now. Uh, jihadist. It,
2: Islamic State also apparently is training children as young as five. Yep to fight and kill, and to repeat calls for the murder of Western, quote, infidels.
1: To be taken unawares. you got five-year-olds come up to you. What are you going to do?
2: Now, what can a Republican-led Senate do to improve foreign policy?
1: Advocate for the right actions. Maybe again again a Republican-led
2: Senate can make sure that funding bills Exactly Can be curbed That he's not going to be able to send as much money That winds up in the hands of ISIS
1: They will be able to hurt Obama And not have him do what he wants to Unless he wants to go and do the exact action But then they can actually fight him on that as well But they could force him to do things he doesn't want to do Meaning things that are good for us
2: What what I do know is probably that If there is a way to improve What we're doing with foreign policy Via a Senate majority That that Ted Cruz will figure out a way to do it No
1: doubt about it No doubt about it and just for record, also again, I've said it before, I've never heard Ted Cruz kiss up to Islam ever, ever.
2: No, and and, and you're skeptical. You think that you may do that I at think some point, he may. but I, I don't think he will.
1: I think he may. He is a we, politician.
2: We'll have to have a friendly bet.
1: No stake. L- look. Steak I dinner? I would love to lose this.
2: Steak dinner. I would
1: love Steak to dinner. lose okay, this. Steak dinner. Okay, we're
2: shaking hands right now. I would Steak love dinner. to lose it. I don't think that he will ever, quote, kiss up to Islam. I
1: hope not. Um, and I hope you're right. By just being a politician, I expect him to.
2: Now listen to this. This is a disturbing statistic in terms of Obama and foreign policy. 92% of marine casualties in the Afghan war occurred under Obama. Yeah. Imagine... That this Afghan war, the initial part of the Afghan war, occurred under George W. Bush for how many years?
1: Uh, sorry, what it like? Seven years or seven so?
2: Seven years or so? Seven years.
1: Six, seven years.
2: But, seven m- years. But 92% yep. of marine casualties in that war occurred under Obama. Why? Because he has had the even worse rules of engagement yep. than George W. Bush yes. had. George W. Bush did not have great Absolutely rules of not
1: engagement. terrible rules.
2: But I Obama is the only one who would say, okay, we are going to disarm yes. our soldiers when and they are they in die, the company die. of armed. Yes. Again, and Afghani. again and
1: again and again. A hundred at least of our soldiers were butchered by their uh, Af- Afghani colleagues.
2: Foreign policy horror stories trying to get you to vote on Tuesday. More scary stories from education. And this is I only have one education story this week. We have a number of education stories last week if you would go back and listen to last week's show. But in Maryland, we heard this week that a dad was banned from school, his daughter's school, after complaining about an assignment on Islam that they gave to the daughter. He was banned from the school. Government run schools, government run education, taking more and more control over what is being taught to children in this country. One thing that Republicans would push for is a repeal of Common Core. Not sure what they could do without the White House itself, but there seems to be a lot of popular uh reaction to Common Core and they could, you know, make some use of that. We do need eventually to get government out of education at all levels of government out of education. Uh but this is just one small sample. Uh, I did talk about this book by the way at the Excellent. very beginning of the show. You Thanks. when you when you weren't here. He's flashing me monsters in my yard. Um, a friend of mine just bought it. Now how about very, very cool. Thank you. how about this one? And this is a story that someone gave me this week and they were thinking, oh this is a, a great story, right? Here's the headline. It's from Cultofmac.com Proposed FCC rule change could deliver the Apple TV you've been dreaming of. So what's wrong with this story? Let's read it, right? It says, a proposed change in U.S. regulations could have massive implications when it comes to bringing about the kind of integrated Apple television set Steve Jobs talked about producing. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler has proposed a revision of rules that would afford Internet streaming services the same treatment as traditional cable and satellite television companies when it comes to negotiating with channel operators like HBO. If the change is made, online providers would gain, quote, access to programming owned by cable operators – and be able to negotiate licensing deals with content providers like HBO or local TV stations. He said the move would quote encourage new video alternatives by opening up access to content previously locked on cable channels. Now, what is wrong with all this? But what is wrong with this is that the thing that is preventing that from happening now right. is the government. That's right. So we're supposed to go, "Oh, Thank wow." You thank you FCC wow. for having these new rules it's going to make wow. all this possible no, Apple makes it possible and the and only thing the that's preventing, right, way. I mean it, it, it was it's like the story about so the real. drones you know, the, the yes. delivery yes. of packages by Amazon drones so that you could get something within a half hour of ordering it or whatever it was, the only thing that's preventing that from happening is our government government guns are preventing these sorts of innovations so I said that this article should have been titled How the FCC is Preventing Your Wishes from Coming True.
1: Yes. We want an Apple TV, a real Apple TV.
2: So just one little taste of the pervasiveness of government regulation, how government regulation is preventing us from having the media enjoyment experience of our dreams. Namely, having everything right there on that Apple TV box, being able to, for example, this is a huge example for so many people, be able to watch the sports games of your choice. Yes,
1: for imagine, the particular channel that you want to Imagine
2: being able to go on your Apple TV and say, I would like to watch tonight's Cleveland Cavaliers game. Yes. And I would just like to do a little on-demand and pay like a buck or two. For
1: that particular game. And just watch that game. I don't have to buy a channel, a sports channel, a TNT. I want that game.
2: I mean, right now, now, as it stands to get reliable access to basketball games, you have to actually subscribe to a full cable package. And it's ridiculous. It should not be that way. And the thing that's making that right now is government. And so if you get this idea that, First of all, government regulations are so pervasive that there's a lot of things out there that they're preventing from happening that could be happening, that you could be enjoying right now. And moreover, that a website like Cult of Mac, which is pretty entrenched in all this awesome Mac stuff, right? Imagine that they put a headline that just accepts the fcc as a given just kind of shrugs like oh that's the way it is so that if there's this proposed fcc rule change it's going to deliver the apple tv you've been dreaming of the rule change is going to deliver this is how unbelievable. so so regulation is so entrenched it's in our world
4: exactly. that
2: it's people, the given People are talking this way as if a rule change can deliver something good.
1: And we're supposed to be gracious, like,
2: oh, you know, it's God again, man. it's again that you know, government creates jobs, businesses don't create jobs. The rule change is going to deliver the Apple TV. I
1: mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> that's going to create it. It's like uh, government doesn't does, doesn't create jobs, ridiculous. But Reagan created more jobs. You know, right. <laughs> I I still, I still think it's now
2: works. now my my hope is that if we put Republicans in. That you'll have
1: less of this. Less of this. No, but that's the whole thing. Okay. Less of this. I was wrong. I said they're both same. No, a lot of Republicans are like a lot of Democrats. No doubt about it, especially leadership. But they will not concoct these kind of anti-freedom things on their own. They'll be influenced by some extent. They'll pass some of it. no doubt. They're statists, but not to this not to this severe extent. Not to this, you know. I mean, destructive extent. They wouldn't. Right. They, they want to have some power. They want to live their lives. They want to go to the bar. They want to go to the, to the tanning saloon, tanning you know, John, John Boehner. But uh, they will not be as destructive. And that's the whole thing. You've got to ask yourself, right now, as a voter, who is the more destructive party? And it's clearly the Democrats. They are, the, the D is for destruction. They are the destructive party in our system right now, and Republicans won't destroy as much.
2: Well, and Obama is the ultimate destroyer ultimate. right now. He has and, forced, and so the whole point is to put the skids on Obama. He has
1: forced he, his party to go places that at first they thought they wanted to, but now they're like, wow, we are, we're, we're going to pay a heavy political price for this.
2: Roman in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says that his story about government schools is that his son got detention. For bringing empty gun shells to school, empty.
4: Uh-huh.
2: That's great. Now, of course, if it was a privately owned school and you want to say, okay, no gun paraphernalia in school, yes, okay, fine, they could do that. But this idea that you know, okay, you're going to get detention for it, I don't know.
4: I, mean, I don't
1: know Heather. I mean, yeah. they must think, well, with with gun shells, there's <laughs> bullets, there's guns. Who knows? Freedom breeze
2: freedom breeze in reaction to this FCC story. Same old story. Government tries to look like a savior. Well, government always tries to look like a savior. But my point with this story is that here's cult of Mac, which has nothing to do with government, seeing government as a savior
1: because because
2: the regulations are just taken as oh they've I guess they've always been there and we'll just uh, act as if they're part of the landscape. Part of the
1: uh, the principal admitted he knows that they are not dangerous. So (laughs) That's just absolute crap then. Yeah, he said we don't want anything like that here. Okay
2: Interesting, I mean it's fine for them to say they don't want it there, but why give the kid detention?
1: But also, I hope the principal has has a gun I hope he has a gun.
2: Yeah, and I hope he carries it. If some
1: scumbag walks in looks of trouble
2: protect protect the kids so Let's go on to some stories that are going to actually start seeming a little bit good. I mean, mm-hmm. the next story that I have is actually a good and a bad aspect because there's a well, connection. It's, it's not
1: Halloween, uh, Becky, back so. It's like, no longer Halloween,
2: yeah, so, so we, should, we should start stretching exactly. into some good stories? Okay. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that I've scared you enough to get you to the polls on Tuesday. I've talked about regulations, particularly the FCC. I've talked about government schools. We've talked about foreign policy, and Obama in particular is a foreign policy disaster, particularly in the Afghan war. We've also seen a lot in ISIS. Uh, Ebola, and it's taxing the health care system, which is already being yeah. let's say, decimated by Obamacare. More than decimated, because decimated def-
4: is 10%. only
2: destroying 10%. <laughs> so more than decimated more. by So he did decimate Obamacare. al-Qaeda. That's right. He, des- I mean, he, he did. did he did. He did. He wasn't lying. He doesn't make it He took what, one tenth off.
1: <laughs> one time he didn't lie. Oh
2: God. Um, you know, we talked about, of course, not only Obamacare, but we talked about issues of free speech and privacy being affected and voter fraud. So I think all of those things should scare you into voting. Let's go ahead and and stop scaring people. Start going towards the positive. But I do have one last little scare message. And if you if you remember. Yeah, we, we mentioned uh, Ezekiel Emmanuel.
1: Ezekiel. Ezekiel, <laughs> Ezekiel Emmanuel, as you can't. call him. <laughs> Ezekiel as Emmanuel, added Kent. <laughs> Easy kill, Emmanuel Kent. Anyway.
2: And he decided, you know, he thinks he should die at 75. And no,
1: no, no, no. He thinks we should die at 75. No, no.
2: But the whole point is yeah. Yeah, he's one of the architects of Obamacare, and he thinks that all of us should do yeah, what yeah. he says he's Check going to do, which is that you should no longer have any significant health care administered to you after age 75, because 75 would be a good time to die. And what I love, that was a story that was published by The Atlantic, and I don't know if The New York Times. Magazine, which is sort of, I guess, a competitor of the Atlantic. I don't know if they did this in reaction to that, but the article—love this article. It's called "Old Masters at the Top of Their Game," and it says, "After eighty, some people don't retire; they reign." And it's story after story after story of people who are fabulously productive after age eighty.
1: Just, just one small example, besides Frank—you know, Frank Lloyd Wright. Who 19, isn't in there. But, yeah, yeah, not 90 years old. But uh, Will Eisner, who who died, I think, 2005, he was 86 years old. A year after year, I think every year, every every two years, graphic novels, full-on graphic novels in his 80s. I right. mean, you know, it, it's funny really about Eisner's work, sorry, just, 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 you know, he's, to me, the ultimate model of what it means to be a, a cartoonist. Not necessarily his work, I'm not crazy about his work at writing and drawing, but and that's the perfect model and to be at that age that productive
2: well and pretty, and, and, and awesome. in the article a lot a number of them talk explicitly about the fact that it's at that age that they are able to sort of integrate all of the experiences Absolutely. reach new realizations no doubt and do things that they wouldn't have been capable of doing earlier Absolutely. and Ezekiel Emanuel ah, Seventy five, you know, you're not able to walk yeah. around as much as that. Like, and you know you who know, the somebody, hell Some people in their eighties they figured out. Well and, and here's the thing, I mean and, and for those of us who know what I'm talking about, for is for a manual to do that, to say, okay, seventy five, oh. he is dismissing the role of the mind that in human away. productivity. And I'll I'll leave it at that well,
1: because he, he's done it because he's uh, one of our of Obamacare. He already he already right. dismissed his own mind. So he wants us to, to to you know
2: By the way, with the the scary stories in five words. One of them was Atlas shrugged with no John Galt.
1: Mm. that's scary. Yeah,
2: that's really scary. That's terrifying. Now I'm wondering if that is that five words. How did I do it?
1: I forget. how Maybe I did. they connected.
2: Or without John Galt? Did, did you read that? Yeah, that was that was a scary story in five words that I did. And so the idea was So
1: that and the other. one? Yeah, yeah. I just but but dominated her. No,
2: but if but if you could imagine. Yeah. living in the world of Atlas Shrugged, but, but there no, wasn't a John Galt yes. to even provide any hope for human progress in the future. Wow.
1: So then they, they say, who is John Doe? That's that's what they'll say in, the, yeah. right? Right. in, in that kind of world?
3: Um, so,
1: Together. that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny.
2: With I no guess, John uh, Doe?
1: Yeah, who's John Doe? That's what people will be asking in that kind of world. If exactly. No John Gold, exactly. Because, could, because they don't know his name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Pass. I
2: guess. Um, okay, so then here's, I think this is probably just unadulterated good news. Because the other one, of course, it was good news, you know, championing how these people who are productive into their 80s. The
1: Avengers uh, 2 uh, trailer, good news. Check it out. The Avengers: Age of Ultron. Check it out. Are you
2: are you bored with my good news story? No, please. Okay. I'm okay. Here we go. Uh, Gallup poll: Public support for stricter gun laws drops yes. 11 points yes. in less than two years. Awesome. Part of Obama's second term, and and people say, what do you, what is what has Obama done? He has sold guns and he has sold Atlas <laughs> trucks. <Alex> <which laughs>
1: That's awesome. right. He was given um, an award in one cartoon.
2: Here's another. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing Yokey hit and run on these good stories now. Shocking Harvard poll. This is a Washington Examiner story. Shocking Harvard poll. Someone Mil- mentioned
1: that in the in the chat room as well. Oh
2: excellent. Yeah. Millennial voters want GOP in charge, abandon Obama. Well,
1: yeah. Interesting.
2: Isn't that amazing?
1: The reality is hitting these kids.
2: I think it is. And and mean they see, as I see all the time. You see your pay stub. Yep. Yeah. And you see how much is taken out in taxes, and you cannot believe it. It's yep. insanely disgusting. Harvard University on Wednesday provided new proof that the Democrats are going to be broadsided in Tuesday's national elections. As millennial voters in a shocking shift now prefer a Republican-controlled Congress and give President Obama his second lowest grade ever. New and massive poll, 2029 people, 18 to 29-year-old from Harvard Institute of Politics, they just released, found that those who say they will definitely be voting, 51% want the GOP in charge, 47% favoring Democrats. By the way, there's control. some stories
1: out there right now that Obama might make history. He might be the one president who lost more seats than anyone, any president. This is terrible.
2: Can you hear me, everyone? It looks like we might be reconnected.
1: Check the chat room. Yeah.
2: No. FCC is cutting us off now. That's I don't terrible. know. I don't know if you guys hear me or not. Okay. Good. Good. Um, Thanks,
1: everyone.
2: We've got, we've got only 30 seconds. So, everybody, I want you to go to my blog at com, read the story about Ted oh, Cruz, and look at the clip and listen to the audio of Michael Jordan criticizing Obama. Just we've got him. Yeah, we've got 10 seconds. As we got We got to zoom now, everyone. But
1: If he, if you know how long we were up there also.
2: Have a good night, everyone. Take care. We'll talk to you next week.
1: So basically and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Tax
5: day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year.
1: Oh,
4: yeah.
5: Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply.